Hey, everybody. This is Mark Scott. Thanks for joining me on Closer Than You Think here on Substack. This article is part of a series that focuses on topics in schools and leadership and education. So we're continuing that series. We will get back to other topics soon, but this one is part of that series. Thank you for listening or reading my posts and articles here on Substack. This one is called Mechanisms Over Mantras. Mechanisms Over Mantras. Subtitled, The Educator's Version of Putting Your Money Where Your Mouth Is. Here we go. I hate to start with a negative and critical observation, but I have noticed a trend for years in many education meetings and conferences. It seems that we, I include myself because I've been guilty of this many times, it seems that we have a knack for using words to communicate very little. We tend to throw around slogans and platitudes as though the mere mention of them equates to doing the work. And that's the real beef that I have. Furthermore, each time we fail to operationally define the vocabulary we use is a waste of time. My favorite example of this phenomenon was at a, I don't know if phenomenon is really the right word. It's pretty common, but was at a conference I attended years ago where the presenter asked the crowd of classroom teachers, what does it mean to differentiate for your students? Someone volunteered a response. It means you meet them where they are. The presenter then asked, and what does that look like to meet someone where they are? In other words, how do you do that? At this point, I thought we were on a good path. I was excited that we were really about to enter an edifying, constructive conversation that would lead to improved practice for me. If I remember correctly, we were asked to turn to someone at our table and discuss the question. When we returned our attention back to the whole group, the presenter asked for a summary of the table discussions. One participant called out that to meet someone where they are is to differentiate for their needs. The room was filled with affirmative sounds and visible head nods of endorsement all around. The presenter complimented the respondent and thanked the audience for engaging in such a robust discussion to elicit such an answer. I remember wondering, what? Wait a minute. We didn't say anything. No new knowledge was created. So, so we're all okay with this circular meaning of terms with no practical takeaways? We literally said that differentiation was meeting people where they are and then said that meeting people where they are is differentiation. That's it. We had hundreds of professional certified educators at a conference at who knows what total cost to school districts and ultimately taxpayers enthusiastically patting ourselves on the back for essentially saying the same sentence in two different ways. Now, to be fair, I do believe differentiation starts by understanding what a student needs to meet them where they are. So you can determine the next step that individual learner needs to take. It is the, the, the birth, the emergence, the, the launching of differentiation. It was not the brainstorming that was the problem. It was that it produced nothing of value, no action items, no practical wisdom, no tools or strategies, no new practice emerged. But here is the real problem I ultimately have. We pretended there was. I picked an example from years ago, but I can assure you I have seen a similar scenario play out time and time again 
in team meetings, staff meetings, district gatherings, and professional conferences. We've all heard them, the mantras of education. All children can learn. No child left behind. We celebrate diversity. We are a family. Relationships come first. Champion equity for all. Increase accountability. Help students own their learning. There is nothing inherently wrong with any of these ideas. But it's just that. They are ideas. They are wishes and notions, but they are not practices. They are vague and immeasurable. They are necessary and should be considered an integral part of the discussion around values and principles that drive our work, but they are insufficient by themselves. These phrases do nothing to advance our work related to student learning. To gain real traction in our school systems, mechanisms must be implemented and valued over mantras. This is where the true work happens, and it directly relates to what students see, hear, say, and do. I cannot overstate the importance of mechanisms because they are measurable, sustainable, adjustable, reproducible, contextual, and most importantly, tangible. We can see and hear them in action, and we can just as easily notice their absence. Let's work through some examples to bring this concept to life. A school can have a slogan that claims relationships with students are important. To test the sincerity of this proposition, one should look for mechanisms routinely embedded in the system. For instance, do all teachers greet students at the door? Are staff members expected to find out certain information about their students and document that somewhere? Is every staff meeting or PD session, does it include strategies for making connections with students? such as conversation starters or active listening skills. All of these things are practices that can be measured. These are the actions that speak louder than words. Another example is communication. Many schools state they value communication with families or parental involvement. Again, the real test is whether there are mechanisms in place to back this up. Are teachers and administrators expected to keep a contact log? What methods of two-way communication are in place for parents and guardians to easily access? What is done with that information? Does the onboarding process of new staff include equipping them with scripts and tips for communicating with families about academic progress, behavior, attendance, and so on? Yet again, these are all things to which one can point to to prove the slogans are true or false. One more. Almost all teachers claim they will do whatever it takes to meet students where they are or reach each individual learner. So let's go back to this idea of differentiation. In practice, we often find one-size-fits-all approaches that don't allow for much differentiation. Mechanisms for personalized learning begin with knowledge of how to differentiate by process, content, or product. Tools such as flowcharts can guide a teacher or student to actions and resources to aid learning. Providing a student with a menu of options for when they get stuck, such as check with a friend, access designated digital resources, ask the teacher, try a problem with simpler numbers first, for example, in math, submit a question to a particular platform, take a mental break, and on and on. Each of these is a mechanism. 
In the area of differentiation, one of the most ignored mechanisms is how we assess learning. For whatever reason, and there are many, we will say that we are willing to meet students where they are and yet refuse to differentiate the product phase of learning. Without a mechanism that offers students a different way to demonstrate mastery, it is hard to believe what we say about valuing differentiation for unique learners. Of course, one of the most prominent mechanisms is grading. Does your grading policy match your practice? Does it enhance your school's belief, your school's beliefs or values, or does it contradict them? Sometimes the problem is not that we don't have mechanisms in place. It's that we have awful mechanisms in place. This topic relates to almost everything in education, student ownership, accountability, restorative discipline, and many other ideas in our work in schools can be theoretical while we just keep spouting cliches and mantras, or they can be practical avenues to transform our systems through mechanisms. In closing, the question to keep in mind is, what mechanism is in place to illustrate blank, whatever it is that you're saying you want to promote? If we say our school values relationships, what mechanisms do we have working to prove it? With any big idea such as personalized learning or discipline or social emotional learning, the first key is to operationally define it so everyone in the organization knows what you mean by it. The next key is to institute specific mechanisms that drive the organization in that direction. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.